I'm excited to welcome back IWI as a sponsor of the Three Gun Show. Longtime listeners will remember IWI and the Three Gun Show's runs at Red October and Kalash Bash with their Galil Ace. Available in 545 x 39 762 x 39 and 5.56, the Galil Ace is an absolute dominator at AK matches. IWI has released a Gen 2 of the Ace with tons of upgrades featuring a free float M-Lock handguard, an updated trigger profile, shortened safety throw, and it now ships with a Magpul CTR stock with a little cheek riser in there so you can see through your scope. And now IWI has joined the AR-15 game as well. Their Zion 15 is available in both a 12.5 or 16-inch barrel with a 5.56 chamber, and it features a free float handguard in 11.5 or 15 inches, respectively. With a mid-length gas system and a 1.8 twist, the IWI checks all of the boxes at an incredibly low price. Whether you're looking for a bullpup, traditional rifle, or a pistol, IWI has several options to satisfy your needs. This episode of the Three Gun Show is sponsored by Isotune Sport. Isotune Sport makes advanced Bluetooth hearing protection for shooters. My hearing is very important to me for obvious reasons, and I absolutely love how quickly their tactical sound control reacts to cut out loud gunfire. One feature, though, that I never thought I would use on the range is Bluetooth technology, and I'm actually kind of loving it. Isotune Sport Ear Pro easily connects to my phone, and from there, I can listen to some Beastie Boys or Poison or even a podcast to get me in the zone while I'm setting up for practice or stirring a rifle, something like that. And if I'm caught by surprise by gunfire from the next bay over, I know that my hearing is safe. Lately, I've been rocking the wireless in-ear caliber model because they are lightweight, have a great uh, battery life, and won't get tangled in the buttstock of my long guns. You can check them out for yourself. I'll have a link in the show notes at 3gunshow.com. I'm pumped to be working with Isotune Sport, and I thank them for sponsoring the show. Welcome to the 3Gun Show. I'm your host, Dave Hartman. In this podcast, we answer your questions and talk about current events in the shooting space. If you get something useful for this from this podcast, pick up your phone right now and share it with a friend or on social media. And if you do, I thank you. All right, here we go. Adam, this question is from Mike in Missouri. Dear Dave, I always hear that you should buy quality ammunition for a three-gun match. In the past, you've said never buy ammo made in a panic. Right now, I don't really have a choice, so what are some things I should look for when preparing my ammo for a match? Thanks, Mike. What do you think, Max? That's actually a really good question uh, that more people should ask more often. Um, you know, if right now, one of the things we're seeing a lot of is we're, we're seeing unprecedented demand for ammunition and manufacturers struggling to meet it. And so if you look on the manufacturing side, one of the things they have to do is either turn up the production on the machines or start letting more things slide on the quality control side. And what does that look like? Um, and it can mean a lot of things. Um, but I've found over the years that I think a lot of people worry about stuff that doesn't matter and uh, maybe don't pay attention to other things that do. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, one of the things that really opened my eyes on this is, uh, back 2017, I think I've even told this story on the show. Um, but before, before I was at Vortex and I was, I was still buying vast majority of my stuff. Um, I did have an ammo sponsor, very small company. You know, there's, there's these little, little boutique shops all over the country, you know, manufacturing or remanufacturing ammo, trying to do it on the cheaper or whatnot. And this was one of those. Um, and I had, I had an allotment of ammo. It was not very much. Um, we're talking, uh, a few cases was, was ultimately what I got. And then a discount. Um, but I was getting ready for the three gun nation pro series. I needed some more ammo. And at the time he was doing, uh, what's called, uh, he was remanufacturing what's called pull down ammunition. Pull down ammunition is stuff that doesn't make spec. Uh, I think this stuff came out of Lake city, which is the, the national arsenal, uh, in Missouri, probably pretty near you. Um, <laughs> and, um, that stuff, if it doesn't make spec, they essentially pull the bullet off of it, dump the powder, um, and then they resell the components. So they resell the primed brass. Uh, I think they resell the bullets and maybe the powder too. Um, but for sure the brass, weird. for sure the brass was resold. That's kind of weird. They just pull it apart and then like, Hey, here's, here's factory seconds. Basically, basically. Weird. And ammo is a, what you got to understand about ammo is it's, it's a pennies game to start with. Yeah. Like the good it's stuff commodity. is still a, is still a pennies game. So they're, fighting over fractions of a penny on, on the lesser grade stuff. So anyway, this guy was loading uh 223 pull down remanufactured factory seconds. And um, <clears throat> so what he would run into was this, this um, ammo when he loaded, it would have a lot of crushed necks, uh, dented shoulders and cracked necks, cracked necks, dented shoulders, and this, this is specifically for rifle? This is specifically rifle ammunition. I, I was looking for more rifle ammunition to... Because I can make my own pistol ammo. Mm. I had brass for days, but I didn't... I needed help on the rifle ammo. And so, reject rate on this stuff. Because it had been loaded, unloaded, and then remanufactured, they'd worked the brass a few times. Um, the the reject rate on this was pretty high um, for, for when they sorted through it. And so, he handed me a barrel... Uh, powder barrel, which is, uh, uh, it's about the size of one of those big kegs of ice cream. When you go to the, <laughs> to the ice cream store, uh, I like ice cream. I have had a lot of ice cream lately. So <laughs> I like um, how that's your, that's your unit of measurement. Americans yeah, will what, use anything but the metric system. It's like yeah, one standard crate of ice cream. <laughs> well, yeah, the, but the big, you know, the big tubs of ice cream that are at the hard, the hard serve ice cream place. That's what a powder keg Looks, I don't know how much weight is actually. It's got to be like 50 pounds or something. 50 pounds of ice cream? Yeah. Oh, well, no. 50 pounds of gunpowder oh. in one of these kegs. <laughs> and this is what they would throw. So in the also in the ammo manufacturing world, you have to understand there's the stuff that goes out the door. And then there's the stuff that doesn't make the sort. You know, so stuff that would still work, but it's not good enough for the customer. Like a customer would look at it and maybe nitpick it and they would have to have, and they would then have a customer service issue. Mm-hmm. They call this seconds. All right. Dude, we used to buy Jolly Ranchers like that when I was younger because we were poor. We just went straight to the Jolly Rancher place and you'd get uh, like green ones that said grape and uh, purple ones that said watermelon. 
So they were all mislabeled. They were still Jolly Ranchers, but that's what we gave out for Halloween candy. Exactly. Like I grew up very close to the federal cartridge plant, the actual federal cartridge in Anoka, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So I knew a lot of people that worked there and that's the ammo that they would shoot is that, that the company store, they could buy seconds. Nice. <clears throat> and so this was blems, you know, uh, you know, fingerprints, um, you know, discoloration, things of this nature. Back to my story. This guy whips out a barrel or a keg of thirds okay (laughs) not firsts not seconds these are thirds all right so he gives me this barrel that's or this keg that's two-thirds full he gives me a case gauge and he says anything you're willing to shoot you can keep (laughs) i'm 20 something years old i'm i'm addicted to shooting like i mean i mean insert all the, you know, drug addict references here. Yeah, like, sir, I don't need this case gauge. Thank you, though. I Well, no, I did. <laughs> but I was I was willing to, to shoot a lot. It was like, if it fit, it shipped. And so I shot <laughs> some very sketchy stuff, conventionally speaking. I mean, very dented shoulders, very cracked necks, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, all, and at the time, I was really just looking for stuff that would cycle the gun because I just wanted reps. So I wasn't by any means trying to be accurate with this stuff. I was trying to practice hosing because it was three gun nation. Right. And so some of it didn't work. Some of it like a cracked neck, it doesn't build enough pressure. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't cycle the gun. Like the gun would go off, but, um, but you know, if it would, if it would go in the chamber, it'd give the effect. And so I got very, very comfortable. Whereas before that, like, man, if it had a little dent in the shoulder, like I was kind of, like, Oh, well, you know, anyone who's sometimes like the, the average Joe, they see a little something on, on ammo and they're like, Oh my God, that's going to blow up my gun. Yeah. Typical. This is not advice. This is not <laughs> advice and you should not do this. Said ammo manufacturer who is no longer in business when he would test his open major ammo that he was trying to commercially load at the time, he would shoot it in his regular Atlas gun. Okay. And the gun didn't blow up. Okay, so there's a margin of safety here. I'm not recommending that you do that, but <clears throat> people are more scared of this stuff than perhaps they need to be. Yeah, I'd say so, that uh, back in the day when I just before I start, started shooting competitions, I would shoot with a bunch of buddies, and we all none of none of us reloaded. So like whatever was on the ground, you could pick up and shoot again. And uh, there, you know, when guys would have like malfunctions in their rifles and jack around out of it had a dented neck, like I'd pick that up toss it in a mag you don't want this yeah just but, it forms itself when you pull the trigger yes. but when so, you shoot with other people and you don't know who where that stuff came from or if they load yeah. it themselves i don't pick stuff up off the ground yeah matches. so especially at uspsa matches where like yeah. you have so this is rule number one rule number one never pick up ammo off the range floor even though at, i just said at, i did at a three gun match at a three gun match or Metallic uspsa match ammo you have no idea what it is, especially if there's an active USPSA club there. You don't know if that's nine major or not, or how your gun will handle nine major. So if it hits the ground and you don't know that it's yours, don't pick it up. Um, and same goes for rifle ammo, shotgun ammo. On the other hand, I don't know anybody currently that is hand loading shotgun ammunition. So at a three gun match, the last, the last competitive shooter I knew to, to, try hand loading shotgun ammunition was Josh Fralick and he will 
adamantly, adamantly tell you how terrible of an idea that is. And that was several years ago. So I'm fairly confident on this. If you pick up ammo, shotgun ammo at a range, I wouldn't bring it to a match, but it's probably okay to shoot. Um, <laughs> but but um, on the other side of it, though, I was kind of surprised at what how little attention people would pay to um, the actual ammo that they were going to use for a match. We've kind of talked about this before, like people buy the cheap shotgun shells and then have problems at a match where they could have, they could have spent a little bit more for double A's mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, had a better, they drove halfway across the country and then they had a shotgun malfunction with the cheapest shotgun ammo they could find. So one of the things I, I've picked it up from Jerry Micklick on some video that he did somewhere along, he case gauges, every single round that he uses at a match uh, of, of shotgun of anything. Okay. So, uh, so he has what's called a chamber checker and for his pistol and rifle and he dropped, it's basically cut to the dimensions of a chamber and he drops it in there. And if it fits flush, it's, it would, it would fit in his chamber. Now, for the most part, if you're shooting commercially manufactured ammunition from a reputable manufacturer or, you know, tier one or two manufacturer, let's say you're probably not going to find much on a case gauge, but you might now kind of like how, how much do you care about this, this match? Because anything that you find that one, I guarantee you that one will find you when you least (laughs) want it. Right. So I always, I always, unless it's from like a federal or a Winchester or, uh, um, mag tech or something like that. I'll case gauge everything I shoot, especially Mm -hmm. if I hand loaded it, just checking for abnormalities in case sizing, because we're essentially gun racing. So that thing's got to feed. That's very important. That's number Um, one. That's, that's number one. Number two, well, it's actually probably a tie for number one. And this, this one kind of gets people is I would look at the primer of every cartridge that as I load the magazine, I try to get a glimpse of the primer. And what you're looking for is one that's in there backwards. And now at, at, at first glance, it would be like, what backwards primer? You'd have to be really dumb to put that primer in there backwards. Um, it happens. It I've, happens I've gotten backward primers, sideways primers, and missing primers from factory ammo. And that's where my right. don't buy an ammo in a panic came from. Right. And ammo it's made actually, in a panic. It it happens at a rate that would probably, you know, it seems dumb because you don't run across it very often in commercial box ammunition, but it actually happens far more than you would think. Well, this was and happening really, from, or the ammo that I had was from, Fe, uh, excuse me, not federal, uh, Remington during their death rattle. So I think that had something see, to do with it. Um, <laughs> but what you're relying, essentially what you're relying on is their quality control and especially I don't know how the major manufacturers do it. They probably have a laser or something that is that's yeah. doing it. Um, but uh, at anything other than those major major manufacturers, and they probably still are having a real person look at it. It's a person rolling those things through their fingers, and and looking. So you you got an element of human error. So one slips through. That just means that that person missed one. Not that like oh my god, I've never seen that in my. Life. It happens quite a bit. So uh, I've seen quite a few people end up with with backwards primers at matches and like scratch their head. Like how, how does that, how does that even happen? Um, so I checked the sizing of a, of a cartridge. I checked that 
the primer is in the proper orientation and that it's fully seated. If it's still sticking out a little bit in the back, that can catch on the breech face as it slides up. Uh, maybe not feed very well or maybe prematurely detonate. And that would be bad too while your gun's still out of battery. So I checked the primer. I checked the size of the case. On rifle ammunition, you want to look at, at the neck. You want to see if it's cracked or not because uh, a cracked neck would probably be a bad thing. You want to see if the if the shoulder is crushed because then it won't fit in your chamber properly and change the amount of operating pressure that that cartridge has. Um, and then I also like to look for, and this kind of comes down to storage, um, look at the condition of the brass itself. If you store your brass in a very moist environment, think of like a musty garage and you left it in the cardboard box and it was there for like a year and a half through the winter and all that stuff. The brass itself starts to get corroded. So it starts to not slide as well in and out of magazines. Again, we're gun racing, so we want that to be slick. So um, if you didn't store your ammunition properly, have a look at that, see what kind of condition the brass is in. Um, if you know, if you touch it with your fingers, if your fingers slide over it smoothly, it's probably okay. If it's got like, like a coarse texture to it, you might want to use that for practice. Um, so things like that shotgun ammunition. Some people case gauge theirs. I honestly don't. Um, but what you're looking for, the most important thing on shotgun shells is the crimp. So on the front end, if you look at the crimp, and if anything about it just doesn't seem right, if it's not round, if it's not a, a square shoulder, it's not um, symmetrical, not symmetrical. If the little, if the little, uh, uh, very, very, very center of it is open and you see some pellets in there, pellets can get out and they find their way down into your action and they'll make your trigger not work or your magazines or your magazines. So that's, that's what I look for in ammunition. Those kinds of things always worth inspecting inspecting on ammo if it hit the ground you know like if you unloaded and showed clear or you dropped your magazine and a bunch popped out it's worth wiping the dirt off of it just so it feeds well um but those are the things i look for i don't i don't necessarily get too bent out of shape about uh nicks and dings on it like if you for example loaded a bullet and then um or um a cartridge and it like misfed in your in your pistol so if you like, if you kind of like nicked up the bullet, I would still shoot it. If the bullet, if the cartridge is shorter, like the bullet went back in the case, may maybe don't shoot that one because again, you're <laughs> shortening the overall length of the cartridge. You're increasing the pressure. You could potentially put it to a dangerous level. Um, stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, when I worked at the store, the gun store, all the time, people used to talk about ammunition that quote unquote shot dirty. Uh, that doesn't matter. That's that's something that people who don't know anything about guns that want to sound like they know something about guns. People that people don't shoot enough. In, I won't shoot Magtech. That shoot that shoots so dirty. The next people I want to buy Federal, and the next people who come in, I want to buy Federal. I won't shoot Magtech because that stuff's so dirty. <laughs> and at the end of the day, the cartridge cartridges make soot because we're burning powder. Um, but like, no commercially available ammunition is shooting "quote unquote" dirty to the point where you shouldn't buy it. Um, no, definitely some hand loads are shoot, shoot pretty nasty. I've seen some weird like hand loads for sure. But now we're talking hand loading. Like you've taken a ton of variables into, into your own hands. Yeah. If you're buying commercially available ammo or you're shooting common loadings, like 
Like 3.8 greens, a tight group has been used forever. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> That's not a recommendation. Yeah. For example, yeah. Hypothetically. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, yeah. Use a manual, everybody. Use a manual, but like. Um, if you're or a random guy them, on Facebook you've never met. That works too. Yeah. yeah. Always confirm with a, with load <laughs> data. But there's tons of load data out there for free. Um, But that was the main thing is just like. When you're buying a set, because we're we're probably looking at five, ten years of crappy ammo on the market. Either it's already out there or it's been squirreled away um, and it's going to trickle out. Um, so you're going to have quality control. You're going to have to take quality control of ammunition you use into your own hands if you want to have a successful match. It's worth case gauging. It's worth looking if it has a primer and making sure that primer is set properly uh, for you to have a good experience. Oh, and then I guess the other thing is a squib squib just being a cartridge that didn't get any powder so you put it in and it makes the pop noise but it doesn't sound like a gunshot so it's gonna be hard to hard to mitigate that right because it can't tell if it's gonna squib beforehand you can't really tell but um you want to be aware of it like if you get the pop noise like pays to be suspicious um you know unload show clear run a run a two like that's that's not worth that there's no there's no prize table that's worth pulling the trigger on potentially a squib. Yeah, that's for sure. For sure. So largely what we're talking about here, Adam is like a visual inspection of the, of the round, right? So you're yep. looking for dense dings, cracks in the, uh, in the brass, uh, bullets that are seated farther than they should be. And, uh, making sure that the primer isn't upside down, backwards, sideways, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. Correct. So, and then from there, what, once it loads, is you want to make sure it exits the barrel and that's that pop without a boom you're talking about. Yep. But those are the kinds of things. If you shoot enough ammunition, if you're in this sport long enough, you are going to come across all these types of cartridges. It's not a big deal, but you do need to be aware of it. It's, it's kind of like gasoline. Like a lot of people don't give gasoline a second thought. They just pump it in their tank. Mm-hmm ammunition kind of gets to the point, you know, I remember when I first started, it was like a tasty morsel that I would like savor slowly where now it's, I look at it like, like fuel, like yeah. I, I need it. I use a lot of it, but <clears throat> you're going to go through enough of it that you're going to find some bad ones. And if you are, if you are emotionally invested in your performance, pays to pay attention <laughs> to, to what you're, what you're putting in there on match day. Yeah. So inspect your stuff, make sure it, it looks good try to buy the best that you can but uh always always look at it when you're putting in the magazine or in the gun yeah yeah there you go that's all i have to say about that all right well mike thank you for uh for sending in your question adam thanks for being here thanks buddy want me to answer your question or maybe this podcast left you with more questions than you started with go ahead email me dave at threegunshow.com and you might be featured in a future episode The Three Gun Show is proud to be a part of the Firearms Radio Network. Thanks for listening to The Three Gun Show. We'll see you on the range.